0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Watchful is the angel band that follows Christ on every hand to guard his people where they go and break the counsel of the foe. We give thanks to God for this, because I suspect it's true that we often... Dear saints, forget about the angels. Even though we are surrounded by them constantly, even today, even right at this very moment, surrounded by angels and demons, we don't see them, at least most of the time, but they're here and everywhere. We know from the pages of the Scriptures. But we forget. We forget that the angels are here. But God be praised that the angels don't forget their duty and are in constant watchfulness for us and for our sake. In fact, uh, the Bible, uh, in, in the 66 books of the Bible, mentions angels at least 59 times. And so it's helpful for us to remember that. In fact, we give thanks to God that the church has set aside the day of September 29th to be the feast of St. Michael and all the angels so that we pause and remember these scriptures, remember what the Lord says, And try to get a better grasp on the unseen reality that surrounds us, the reality of the angels and and the reality of the demons. But first, the angels. Uh, The angels are the Lord's servants. In fact, the word angel, both in Hebrew and in Greek, means two things, messenger and angel. Angel. They're created beings created by the Lord and they're invisible so they are spirit with no body and never have or will have a body. The angels uh, say that, that of the, the, the scriptures say of the angels that they do two things most of all and that is that they sing and they fight. To the angels belong the sword and the song. The angels were there as God created the earth in the very beginning. In fact, we consider this from the prophet Job. This a beautiful verse from Job 38, where, where the Lord comes to Job and is, uh, is really kind of getting on his case for his pride. And he says this, "...were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line over it? On what were its bases sunk?" Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? The the morning stars there and the sons of God are ways that the prophets refer to the angels. And here it says that as the Lord was creating all of these things, that the angels were watching and praising Him as He built the earth and founded it. And just like this, as it was at the beginning, so the angels are there also at the end of time, singing praises to God. In fact, the angels stand before the face of God and sing constantly their holy, holy, holy. We see this in Isaiah and also in the book of Revelation. And if we want to see it, the entire book of Revelation is punctuated by these songs of the angels that stand before God and sing. Here's the last stanza of this angelic song in Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 16. John writes, And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was. For you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It's what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, True and just are your judgments. So the angels are singing God's praise, even as He judges the world. And all in between, from beginning to end, the angels are singing, rejoicing, serving God, fighting the devil, beating back the demons, and protecting the Lord's people. It was the angels, by the way, who gave Moses the original copy of the Ten Commandments. Paul tells us that in Galatians 3. And then 700 years later, as the Assyrians were surrounding Jerusalem and about to wallop her, one angel comes and slaughters the entire Assyrian army on one night. 185,000 soldiers and sent the Assyrians back home. 2 Kings 19. The angels in the Bible especially tend to the Lord Jesus. It was Gabriel who announced the incarnation to Mary. It was the angels who appeared to Joseph to give the name, to give the name Jesus to his stepson. It was the angels who sang to the shepherds and sent them over to Bethlehem to see the baby Jesus, the child born for you. The angels appeared to Joseph even after they were visited by the wise men to send them down to exile in Egypt. And the, the angels were there to comfort Jesus. After his 40 days in the wilderness and his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, the angels were there to bring him comfort from his heavenly Father. And the angels were at last in the tomb, even when Jesus wasn't. <laughs> we hear in the Easter Gospel the wonderful words of the angel who says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And all through the early church, we read in the book of Acts that the angels are with the apostles as the Lord's word goes forth. It's the angels we read in Matthew 18 who watch over and protect the Lord's little ones. It's the angels who watch and protect the church and the angels who will carry our souls to the face of Jesus when we die. So we give thanks to God for this ministry of the angels. But there is another uh, There is another reality of these spiritual and unseen things, uh, and that is the reality of the demons, who are also angels, but who rebelled against the Lord and His Word and who fell. The, these, the demons, the wicked angels, the devils, have their constant ambition to overthrow the Word and the church. The angels were created to serve the Lord and to serve the church, but in their rebellion, in the devil's rebellion specifically, a third of the angels fell and have become the demons. Now, we don't know the day that the angels were created. It must have been part of the first six days of creation because before that there was nothing, there was only God. And on the seventh day, God rested and finished his work. And so we don't know what day also the devil rebelled and the angels became the demons. But there was a very good of creation on the sixth day, but then almost immediately after that, the devil comes to tempt Adam and Eve. And this is the the work of the devil and of the demons all along, to bring darkness and death, and especially to bring to us, especially to bring to you eternal death. For the devil wills to drag everyone he can with him to judgment. The demons are generally working in the world, but we we should know this, that the demons are especially doing their work in the church and that you are their target, that the devil is after you. In fact, Martin Luther, I think, said this, that when you're marked with the sign of the Holy Cross, in your baptism, on your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. This is like putting a bullseye for the devil's attacks, for his flaming darts, right on your mind and your conscience. So the devil does his work there, in the church and in the conscience. And he would bring violence and confusion To both. The devil targets both our faith and our love. He would have us doubt the gospel, that our sins are forgiven, that there's peace between us and God because of the blood of Jesus. And the devil also attacks our love for one another. One person sins against another. And sometimes it's you sinning against someone else. Sometimes it's someone else sinning against you. I mean, we live in this big kind of wound-up yarn ball of sin in this world. And the devil comes along and he tightens it. He makes it worse. He makes us angry with one another. He makes us bitter to one another. He says, you don't have to love them after all. They've sinned against you. You don't have to go to church. Don't worry, you'll be fine at home or whatever it is. In fact, I don't think we'd have to think too much or work too hard before we start to recognize the voice of the devil, even in our own conscience. Tempting you away from faith. Tempting you away from church. Tempting you away from God's Word. Tempting you away from loving your neighbor. But all of this, look, all of this is done in secret. We don't see the devil. We don't see the demons working on us. He, he's there throwing things into our heart, but we don't, but we don't see him doing it. Which is why the Scriptures are always reminding us that this is true. That the demons are there and commanding us to be on guard. Paul Paul writes this. This is Ephesians chapter 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand on the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You see, the devil is fighting against us. He he is fighting against you. And he never forgets that he's in this fight. He never rests. He has an almost fanatical rage with which he is determined to destroy the church and and determined to destroy you. So knowing this, we give thanks to God. Especially we give thanks to God for the ministry of the angels that protect us. Which brings us with great joy, to Revelation 12, our epistle text, (laughs) which gives us this glorious picture of the battle between the angels and the demons, and especially the picture of St. Michael removing the devil from the heavenly council. And he does this with the only weapons that can destroy the devil, the Word of God and the blood of Jesus Revelation 12, verse 11, And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives unto death. Let's consider the whole text. Here's two things, though, to introduce us before we jump into a Revelation text. The first is that we need to remember that there is a heavenly council. We speak of this often, but to remember it is helpful. That there is a place where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are having their conversation with one another. And that in that heavenly council, the angels are there, the prophets are there, the saints that have gone to heaven are all gathered around this council. And in this council there is apparently a place for the devil. Remember how it was in the very beginning of the book of Job when the Lord summons all the angels to gather before his face and there is a place for the devil to come and do his devilish work, to do his sataning. Remember, Satan means accuser. So the devil comes and stands before the face of the heavenly Father and he accuses Job of his sin. He accuses Job of having a weak faith. He accuses Job of believing in God just for his own benefit, for selfish reasons. This is a frightful picture, but a picture of reality and truth. That the devil has a place before the Father in heaven. And that he would do his sataning work with us. That he would carry our sins before the face of our Father in heaven. Now second, we need to remember how it is with the book of Revelation. What in fact is going on with the entire text? I mean, Jesus is showing John and his church the spiritual realities both on earth and in heaven. And so he'll unfold how bad things are on the earth. And there's horsemen uh, that are coming and destroying everyone. There's plagues full of wrath, there's trumpets full of judgment, there's bloods, there's rivers full of blood, and all of this sort of stuff. And just when just when John and you and I, when we're reading this, have had enough, then the Lord takes us up to have a vision of heaven, just to check on how things are there, because we figure that it must be in fact empty that no one's home. But we get to heaven and we see that Jesus is still there. The Lamb, crucified, sitting on the throne, surrounded by angels, being praised by them. So then when we have that comfort, the revelation takes us back down to earth and there's beasts and dragons and monsters and all sorts of wars and destruction and calamity. And just again, when we've had enough, we're brought back up into heaven to see how things are there, to check that Jesus is still there. And sure enough, He is. Now, we get to Revelation 12, which is a vision of heaven. It begins with John seeing a woman who is pregnant. And this is a picture of the Old Testament and of Mary all wrapped up into one. And this pregnant woman gives birth to a child who is Jesus. And the text says that he's caught up to God and His throne. That with one verse covers the birth, life, Death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And now Jesus is bringing His victory, His cross, and His blood into this heavenly council where, where God and the devil are talking to one another. But look, this is the, the beautiful thing of this text. With Jesus bringing His blood there, there is nothing more for the devil to do. I mean, the devil is there busy accusing you of your sin, but this sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. The devil there is there to bring all of your iniquities before the Father's face, but all of these iniquities are died for by your Jesus. Jesus brings His blood into the heavenly throne room, and now the devil is out of a job, because what is there left for him to accuse? What is there, what is there left for him to say? What is there left for him to do? Nothing at all. So Jesus, at his ascension, gives to Michael, the archangel, the privilege of removing the devil from the council of heaven. And that's what the text is about. Listen again, Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 7. It's in your bulletin. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer found any place for them in heaven. And the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Rejoice therefore, O heavens, and you who dwell therein. You see, the devil has nothing to accuse the Father of. He has nothing to say to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit because sin, all sin, all of your sin has been forgiven. So he's out of a job, and he's thrown down to the earth. But look, the devil is still sulking around, doing the only thing he knows how to do, bringing accusation. But because he can't bring them before the Father in heaven, he brings them to you in your conscience. Now listen, this is important. The devil can no longer accuse your father of your sin, but he can accuse you of your sin. The devil has no longer any place in heaven, but he is fighting every single day to have a place in your conscience, to have a place in your heart, so that you would hear his voice, the voice that Jesus couldn't possibly love you, because after all, look what I've done and thought and said day after day. The thought that you don't need to love your neighbor because, after all, look at what they've done to me. The devil would bring to you all of the sins that you've committed and put them before you as a litany of the reason why God should damn you. And when he does it, it's true. God should damn you, but he doesn't. He damns Christ. He curses him because cursed is the one who hung on a tree instead of you. And the devil would bring to you all the sins committed against you. All the ways that you've been ripped apart. Your your name, your body, your reputation, your everything. He would bring them to you and say that you're unlovable and that you shouldn't love your neighbor. The devil does this in your conscience. It's all he has left to do. To cast from your mind the kindness of God and the love that we ought to have for our neighbor. But look, dear saints, the very same thing that casts the devil out of heaven casts him also out of your conscience. The blood of Jesus and the word of God, which is our business here today. The very same tools that St. Michael, the archangel, used to pry the devil out of the counsel of God, Jesus has delivered to you today in His Word and in His body and in His blood. So that you would know that your sin is forgiven. That your sin and guilt and shame, all of it, is covered by the blood of Jesus that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit delight in you. And now, in your conscience, is not to be heard the voice of the devil, but rather the voice of Jesus, who says he loves you, who says that you are forgiven. His voice is full of compassion and grace. His, ver- His voice is full of life And mercy and his voice, dear saints, his voice is for you. It's true. For you. So we rejoice, St. Michael and all angels. (laughs) We rejoice that the Lord is created and still uses the angels to protect and keep us. And we rejoice that Jesus has delivered over to us the same thing that he used to kick the devil out of heaven, his blood and his righteousness. And by these, by his forgiveness and his kindness, we on the last day will join the heavenly angelic choir (laughs) and sing the praise of our God forever and ever. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.